Welcome to Bay Books Podcast. I'm April Berry. And I'm Daisy Ray. This is the podcast where new authors bear all for their readers. Together, we're going to be finding our next favourite author. Fantastic. The sound quality of the interview with the author today is a little bit ropey because the author was zooming into the meeting with us from Nigeria. There is a lot of background noise for which we apologise. Also, a quick disclaimer just to say that the author's views during the interview are the author's own and not those of Bear Books Podcast. Thank you. So then, Daisy, we've got John Patson on this week. Yeah, Iki John Ikariki, who writes under the name of John Patson. I think this book has created an awful lot of emotion in both of us, hasn't it? Yes, in various ways. So as for writing a book to get a reaction, I think it's a massive success on that front. Okay, so let's hear your review then of John's book now. Up and coming. This book is based in truth. I'm going to jump right in with my review this week because we have pre-recorded an interview with the author and I believe it will make much more sense if we start with the review. I'll start with the official book blurb and move straight into my review from there. So the Amazon synopsis then reads like this. Living by the consequences of past generational sin has patterned the life of a Zendu to a point of not believing in the reality of the just shall live by faith. As days went by, he rested his omen on the fate of his predecessors, despite his wife's enthusiastic tendencies to give him hope. A marker as Endu's only daughter was not spared. Her accusation and banishment after her father's demise was a connivance by her wicked relative Anika and others to dispossess her of her inheritance. How Providence turned around to smile on a marker as the Queen of Agoniland remains a mystery to uncover. So let's start with that. First of all, I've read about halfway into chapter 3 of the seven chapters that make up this book. So I'm coming up to halfway through and Amaka, the beautiful queen of the title, has just now been born. I know who she will be, according to the write-up, but with only three and a half more chapters to go, she has to grow up and fulfil this destiny, so I'm not optimistic. The grammar and punctuation of the book was, if I'm being tactful and kind, a little sketchy in places. It read at best like the author had trouble expressing some of his finer thoughts and looked up an alternative, maybe in a thesaurus, and used that word for word. I say this is at best, because the intention to pass on his culture and his story, which is based on fact, is important to John, and he clearly wanted to pass on that culture for generations to come, both in his own community and to a wider worldwide audience. History is, after all, a huge part of who and what we all are today. The essence of the story is around family generations of beliefs, religion, seers reading the future from dreams, reincarnation, curses, honour and dishonour. It's a whole other world of cultural differences, ethics and values. And with so much fascinating history and culture to draw on, I expected a lot more. I would love to tell you it was well written and engaging, but the fact that I only read half of it states otherwise. The story is very basic. For me, it's lacking in depth or compassion. So I'm sorry to say that this book just had no appeal for me personally. 
it fails to flow, which is such a shame, and it's a lot shorter than it ought to be. If, as I believe to be the case, the story is in fact a huge family saga that spans three generations. For me, this is a first draft of a much longer story, and if John wants to sell into the English market, he may want to leave his personal antiquated gender views on the outside of the book cover. Your reviews kind of sort of surprised me a little bit there. It's made me realise we've both come at the book from completely different angles. How so? I, I've looked at it from, a, I suppose, a, a bit of a political point of view and looked at the context and the culture that it's set in. And I've looked at what the tr- they're trying to do in, in Nigeria. And I think this book sets it back years. I mean, my review is going to come later on in the podcast, so I don't really want to sort of give too much of a spoiler in terms of that. But your review really did surprise me. I mean, it made me look at the book in a, in a different angle, I suppose, because I was getting really wound up when I was reading it. Well, yeah. For me, it kind of left me emotionally drained. It was just one bad thing after another, and it was draining. It, it just left me feeling devoid. It's funny because I, I never even noticed about the bad and the good. Though when you pointed it out and, and I sort of reflected on it, I realised that, yes, there was a lot in there. That, but, but for me, it was a very sort of, I don't know, misogynistic kind of a book. Absolutely it was. You've got the son who absolutely doesn't want to do anything and, and isn't going to do anything and thinks it's his God-given right to have everything that he, he wants at his fingertips. And when he gets it, it's not enough. Yeah. And then you've got the poor mother who's absolutely so downtrodden. Yeah. I mean, his mother had really no right to an opinion about anything. Her place was to make sure the menfolk were looked after, to do the chores, to do the laundry, to make the dinner she didn't need an opinion and she didn't need to go out and earn a living herself or to have any kind of career. And even when the son wasn't working, he didn't want to follow in his father's footsteps. He wanted to be a businessman, whatever that meant. But his father, I don't know. Well, not his father either. Let's be honest about this. John wrote that Azendu's father said he didn't even need to worry himself with the chores of the house no, but it was giving him such a sense of entitlement that everything that uh, around him was just going to get handed to him on a plate. Even talking about it now is getting me a little bit wound up. It sucks like it's... a child when he didn't get his own way. Yeah. When his so... parents died, he was more concerned about the fact that they didn't leave him a big enough legacy for him to do what he wanted. He wasn't worried so much about the fact that his parents had died in the road. He was worried that he didn't have enough money. And when he had a dream about his mother and she said, there is money in this place, go look. And he went and looked. His reaction wasn't, isn't that amazing? First of all, that he's had a prophetic dream, that his mother has told him where the money is and that she's still contacting him after she's died. His reaction is, that's not enough money. Yeah. I just don't like the book. It just doesn't appeal to me personally. Obviously, it's a personal view. I'm not saying the book is awful. I am saying the book is awful for me. I don't like the fact that it races through time. It's only seven chapters long. And the crux of the book, the title of the book, hasn't even started yet halfway through it. So it's going to be rushed again in the second half of the book. And I didn't like it to such a degree that I don't even want to read the other half. 
that's that's really bizarre i mean i for for me it it, it rattled my sense of i suppose feminist values if that if for want of a better word okay that it was like i've got these these two guys here who you know one is a lazy good for nothing idle entitled so and so and the other one is so misogynistic that you know the poor wife is running around waiting on them hand and foot and doing absolutely everything around the house i don't i don't don't know i'm kind of just a little bit lost for words in in some respects of of what it actually made me feel. Hmm. So for me, it was, I don't know. Um, well, anyway, listen to my review. Let now me ask I've... you a question. Go on then. What did you think about the curse? Because this really disturbed me. If you were a farmer and you caught people stealing from your land and they explained to you that they were starving, what would your reaction be? Well, I think I'd most probably be a little bit angry at first that somebody thought they got the right to to come onto my land and take whatever it was they wanted. But then you've got to sort of have a voice of reason and think, well, you know, they, they are starving. There's a reason behind this. Mm. Uh, and I'd most probably sort of, you know, after the first flush of anger, I would most probably then invite them in and feed them. Yeah. Yeah. I think what we need to do now is is play the interview that we actually pre-recorded with John, obviously because of the, the time difference with John living in Nigeria. I think we should just play the, the interview now and, and let everybody see what they think about the way that John's explanation to the book. Good idea. Let's listen to that. Hiya, John. So we'd like to know a little bit about you and a little bit about the book that we're reviewing in your own words, if you would, please. All right. Thank you. It's my pleasure joining you. Oh, the book... The Beautiful Queen with a Golden Hair uh, is all about African culture, the, the pattern whereby we live a life here in Africa. And when a man has an empire or a business, to like his love son to inherit it. Okay. It also tells about what often uh, suffer in this part of the world. The Beautiful Queen with a Golden Hair is all about Mr. Ochendo. So he's a, t- a pan wine tapper and... He suffered a lot in life as a result of a timely death of his father. Can we also ask what inspired this style of writing or this particular story itself? Yes, um, right from my childhood, uh, I like telling stories. Uh, I like writing. Now, at times, I'll just be sitting, you know, the inspiration will just come. I'll start writing. Like I'm saying, I have many ebooks online that I've written but only two novels the rest are inspirationals and oh, other okay. books so yeah, I was just being inspired to preserve my culture and a lot of things that happened there are uh, related to my culture then I, I like to preserve it in this modern world so that our children will get to read through it and know what happened in the past and can relate it to the future so that they will learn their lessons. You must know yeah. your history. It's your future, your past that will shape your future. Yeah. So, John, do you have a, a, a favourite paragraph or a, a favourite passage from the book that you'd like yes, to read for yes, us? Uh, yes, I love a particular paragraph that Essendu uh, was very curious to know why his father said he must learn the trade that he was trading. So the paragraph said, my son, as you can see in this village, I have no rival in what I do. That alone gives me more joy. I didn't wake up one morning and become the best pan wine tapper. It was a result of determination, focus, and having a dream. 
my son, nothing good and desiring comes on a platter of gold. You can bear me witness that I always ask your mother not to bother you with much house chores. You are a man. You need professional skills that will put foods on your table. It is the duty of a woman to do house chores, not man. A man who is not capable of performing his marital obligations lacks respect in the sight of his wife. A woman needs provision and protection to be happy. So, you know, in, in, in this part of the country, there is what you know we believe that house chores are made for women and in other words if you cannot um, provide for your family then you have lose your respect in the family so it is the duty of a man to provide for his family so that is why ochendo was very very much you know curious to let his son learn that very business so that his son would take over from him so that you, you can be able to provide for his family as a head of the family so there are certain everybody has their own path in life whatever the children the fathers the mothers yeah you know as as a man you are the breadwinner of the family so even if the woman has the woman is to assist you so yeah the woman is to help you and not the woman to take your place otherwise you lack the 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 respect will be no more there and that is why as and was agenda was uh so much in you know very much uh pressing so that his only son will not be a liability in the future but an says thank you yeah what sort of people do you think would read your book all right my is because there are a lot of things to learn from it so i cannot limit it to a particular age because Knowledge is what is um, basic and everybody, there's no any book that is written that has not information to pass across. Yeah. So children can as well read, adults can as well read. There, there are a lot of things that children learn, most especially how to preserve their culture and learn from the mistakes of the past. And there are a lot of things that happen along the line that the wife dreamt and told him, but he refused. Some people, and that lead to their death. There are some things that happen, you know, God made man and woman to, to, to live together and what God has given to a man, he may not, be, he may not give the same thing to the woman. Mm-hmm. Now, as you come together, as a result of that, God will, may even pass a message that will save you through your wife because his wife told him that I, he, she had a, a bad dream concerning him and that he should not move out, go to the farm that very particular day. But she said, woman, go, you know, yeah. In here in Africa, women are not just regarded like that. They don't contribute much. But there are some things that women, God has given them the power. Yeah. So as such, when you listen, it, uh, you discuss it, and the one that has the superior logic will go with it. So anybody can read it. It's not meant for children alone. If you are, if you, if you are in love with culture, if you are in love with tradition, that book is meant for you. Who's your favorite? writer john have you got a favorite writer yeah yeah i have several writers that i want to be like somebody like professor chino achebe the author of things fall apart my role models that i'm following the pattern of writing i love them and also um so your favorite writers then that you've just listed are they all um from nigeria too yes yes professor is the late late professor chino achebe was a literary giant before he died. So much love is pattern of writing and how he, the pattern of expression 
Mm. So, you know, he's a man who loves culture very well. Okay. And, uh, so what's next for you as a writer? Have you got any other books in the pipeline? Have you got any other projects in the pipeline? Yes, yes. Yes, today uh, I've just finished one, but this one is a Christian book titled The Crucified Christ and the Eternal Kingdom. I just rounded it up this, uh, today. So uh, I'll be, I don't know, I'll be processing it to publish it online. Okay. Do you find that's a better way that works for you to go online first? Yeah, I think um, it's to make the sensitization very, very easy for me. Yeah. So when it's online, you can advertise it in different platforms. That's true. So, yeah. Yeah. so John, so John, before we let you go, uh, now that we know you a little better, uh, whereabouts can we find you online? Do you have a website? All right. <laughs> you can find me on you know, the, the social media. We have um, Facebook by the name A.K. John Okereke. Okay. Then, then our Twitter handle, uh, A.K. John 9. Then online platforms, all the ebook platforms like Kobo, like Amazon, Smashwords. You can find me on my, my pen name, John Parson. That's brilliant, John. Thank you very much for that. This week, we've been reading The Beautiful Queen with the Golden Hair, um, a book by John Patson that tells the story of life, family life, in his homeland of Nigeria. Now, John Patson is a very passionate man, and this shows in the story that flows from his imagination. I love a good story, be it one I am watching on the telly, reading in a book, or one that a friend is telling. Now, I'm sure we all have that friend who we love to bits, but when they start to tell a story, a frustration builds where the telling doesn't do justice to the actual story. And that's what I found with this book. I must admit, the foundation blocks of the story lend itself to an amazing narrative, which in my humble opinion, the book doesn't deliver. The storyline is brilliant, which if expanded, one could do so much more with it, more meat on the bones for want of a better word. I've also got to uh, admit that I didn't finish the book. The synopsis on the book jacket enticed me in with the promise of a good story, but it didn't deliver. Now, I suppose I've got to remember that this book is aimed and written for children. A little bit gruesome, if I think about it, to be honest, if it's aimed at children. But my biggest issue with this book is that it goes against all my principles. It's, it's a book that puts women down where the portrayal of the female characters although one is the heroine of the story this heroism is extremely dated the other female characters are unconsequential in there in the story their opinions don't matter and they're not deemed to be worthy of acknowledgement both by the husband and the lazy good-for-nothing offspring the male offspring of this union is an entitled brat and that's about all i can say believing life actually owes him a living that his parents owe him something and what they give him is absolutely not enough. I don't really want to get on my soapbooks over this, uh, but the reason I couldn't get on with the book is because of the way that the females are treated and that male dominance shows throughout. Female, the females are repressed. Books are supposed to invoke emotion in the reader. The emotions it invoked in me were not really ones that I want to get from reading a book. Right, so your review then is quite different to mine. 
I don't know if I'm surprised or not surprised. I mean, we are very different in our outlook on life anyway. But one of the things that you did pick up that I'd forgotten about was the fact that this book is aimed at children up to the age of 18. So it's not aimed at adults at all, really. So that is not looking at that demographic. But the content, the curses, burying people alive, people dying in the road, being poisoned, and all of the connivance of the family members to dupe people out of money and to get slave labor from people i don't really understand why that would be aimed at children in the first place i mean one of the things i think we've got to remember is that that in in different cultures you know people are brought up in different ways and if you to sort of look at the culture it may be that that children are exposed to more radical things than what they are here in the uk really i mean come on let's think back to when we read the famous five books now the people were getting tied up and left in caves and <laughs> dumped on tre- or dumped on islands and that kind of stuff and that that to me when i was sort of like however old i was when i was reading the famous five books was was quite you know it could be quite frightening but that's because i was brought up in in a little country village where nothing like that ever happened well, but- i'm not sure that i agree entirely with that kind of theory because they were in a group and they looked out for each other and they were very sensible and they went on these romps if you like back in the day and had a jolly old time and the parents never really took very much notice of them in the books anyway and they were just left to run wild but that was pretty much how we lived our lives as children back in that time frame i'd be out first thing in the morning and i wouldn't go home until the lights went on there were no mobile phones nobody knew where i was the entire day i think what we have to, to consider here is that you know this book is written by someone for and and he's expressing what happens or in in their culture perhaps i don't know maybe maybe it is just a case of we don't fully understand the life yeah. that they lead where he the, the, lives yes yeah absolutely no i don't think we've got the right to be critical of somebody's imagination but if this is based in truth how much of this story is actually true and how much is artistic license because no, if it's thought... only based in truth it's not a true story it's not factual it's only no. based in truth so i mean did somebody actually tie somebody up and bury them alive and consequently be cursed down the generations which is what the story is about the curse that came the from curse the curse down that the generations buried. yeah and, and that i think is a cultural thing that people do believe in that these curses happen and so yeah. i think that we've got to look at, at that that this is this is a curse and and that's what the book is about the curse not burying somebody alive my personal problem the reason that i struggle with this book quite as much as I do and I really do is because I have this deep rooted thing about injustice injustice drives me insane I can't cope with injustice but one of the things I have got to say is that this book has absolutely created and invoked an awful lot of emotion in both of me and you I'm going to give you that so let's have a look at what we what's coming up next week then shall we So after all of the emotion of reading John's book this week, what have we got coming up next week, April? Right, well, next week we've got Jeanette Taylor-Ford as our author. Um, She's actually got quite a lot of books on Amazon. 
Um, right, an accomplished writer. And we are reviewing Jealousy is Murder. It's part of the Riverview series. This one was released in November 2019. And it's all about a young woman who was found strangled in a camper van and her 12-year-old son goes missing. So D.I. Cook and D.S. Grant have a dual problem on their hands. And what does this murder have to do with the fatal stabbing of a young man in Portsmouth several years before? And how on earth are residents of Sutton Wide involved? Da, da, da. I have got to say that when you, when you said to me, have you read this book? And I went, yes, and I've started the book. It's really, really, really good. Yeah. And then I realised I was reading the wrong book. When we were emailing Jeanette, she actually sent us um, excerpts of the ghosts of Old Hall. And I started to read that and I was absolutely enthralled. I'm hoping that Jealousy is Murder is as good as this. It bodes well for Jealousy is Murder. It does. Yeah, I'm going to start uh, page turning tomorrow. Get, uh, get that read, like I say, if it's as good as the one that I was reading that I thought was the book we were reviewing. <laughs> um, You're a donkey. Oh no, I'm looking forward to next week. Yeah, so am I. It looks like a really good book from the bit I've seen. I like the cover itself and I like the blurb, so it's got me interested enough to want to read it. You only like the cover because it's got a VW camper van on it. So shoot me. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. I am really looking forward to next week. Me too. So yeah, that's next week's Jeanette Taylor Ford and a review of Jealousy is Murder. See you there, folks. If you want to be involved and read the books along with us, use us like a book club, share your views and opinions, send either an audio clip in an MP3 format or an email or both, because the audio clip will have to be attached to an email, to contact us at barebooks.co.uk. If, on the other hand, you happen to be an author that has just finished your latest masterpiece and want that reviewed on a future episode of Bear Books Podcast, then send it to us via email at submissions at bearbooks.co.uk. And now that you've found us, why don't you subscribe? You'll find the podcast in all the usual places where you find all your podcasts. Share, share, share. Also follow us on Instagram and Twitter. All this information will be in the show notes. We are April Berry and Daisy Ray from the Bear Books Podcast. Thank you for listening. 